when you can sit around and share food off the same plate or the same board or something, I just think there's something really special about that. And and for me, cheese is at the centre of that. Today on Dirty Linen, we are heading to Geelong to chat to Joe Bangles. Joe is the owner of a place that I visited recently that totally charmed me. I absolutely loved it. It is Splatters, a cheese train in beautiful Geelong West. Joe, I am so thrilled to have you as a guest today on Dirty Linen. Thanks, Danny. Thanks for having me. Uh, so, cheese train. I've said these words to people a lot because I'm a little bit obsessed with splatters now. Uh, <laughs> a lot of people imagine that I'm like riding on a choo-choo train eating cheese, but it's not quite like that, is it? No, no, not at all. Um, well, there's so many cheesy and train puns that we can use, but essentially it's just like a sushi train, only cheesier. So it just works exactly the same as a sushi train, although we've got uh, Australian artisan cheeses uh, choo-chooing around the train and we can pick and choose what we want. (laughs) It's just so absolutely charming. Uh, You'll have to tell us the story, like how does a person end up with a cheese train? Yeah, well, a few years ago I was with my wife uh, at a sushi train in the Melbourne CBD and um, we'd had a glass of wine and I said to her, "Uh, the only thing that's missing here is some cheese. And um, then we kind of just got chatting about you could use a sushi train concept for anything. And then that was just a kind of fleeting kind of conversation and it ended there and then, a little bit after that, maybe a couple of years after that, we saw that a guy in London had opened one. And um, and then in between that time, we'd gone out and started a, a food truck, which is a, another story. And, um, yeah, then COVID hit and we got stuck with a, a heap of, of cheese, a couple of hundred kilos worth of cheese because uh, we are ready to go out to all different festivals and stuff. And then... Um, we kind of put it out on our socials, who wants to buy a cheese platter to get rid of all this cheese? And it was the busiest two years of our life. Um, you know, there's so many grazing box uh, stories out there that how busy the, all these companies were and um, they were just everywhere. It just kind of become the new flowers during COVID and lockdown. And then uh, we kind of had to throw around a few ideas because we didn't want to lose that loyal customer base that we'd built up over over COVID. Um, so we threw around a few ideas. Do we go get another van? Do we go into bricks and mortar? Do we do a restaurant? Do we just get a, a standalone kitchen? Or we kind of fell back to this cheese train idea and we knew it was a big risk, um, but we just thought, you know what, if we don't try it, we'll just, we'll never know. <laughs> I just love it. Joe. just stepping back a little bit, like what made you set up a truck that focused on cheese? Yeah, so uh, I went to a day on the green oh, a few years back now and, um, yeah, as you, you, you know, most people that go there take the esky and take their cheese and crackers and dip and all that kind of stuff. So, um it kind of got to later in the day and I just thought, why can't we just buy a decent cheese platter at a music festival? Because that's what everyone was taking, um, just all these snacks. And I was, I didn't, you know, really want the burgers and chips and pizzas and all that kind of stuff. So I just thought, I had this idea up and I thought, imagine if we had a food truck that we could just walk up to and buy 
some cheese and crackers. Like, it'd be just amazing. So I actually went out that week and bought a van and then decked out a food truck myself and hit the food truck scene. And um, I could have had probably 10 vans out every weekend, but I could only afford the one. So I kind of, you know, got to pick and choose where I was at, what festivals, um, you know, cheese and wine festivals, beer and cider festivals we did music festivals so it was just so much fun and then of course COVID hit and um yeah we got stuck with all that cheese yeah right I mean some people would say there's worse problems to have than being stuck with a lot of cheese but I guess 200 kilos is probably too much to take care of yourself yeah absolutely you know there's only so much you can eat (laughs) um you know so yeah as I said we went out onto our socials and the public has just been so supportive um and then you know we just added a, a few little i guess special quirks to our menu with balloons and flowers and wine as well and then being able to choose um what cheese you want in a grazing box i think has been our our differentiator and we use all australian artisan cheeses and people just seem to love it so it kind of just this concept just grew really kind of quickly mm. and one thing that really struck me about the cheese train, Joe, is is your workers. Like, it, can you talk about you know who you choose to employ and and what sort of other motives you've got in how you've built your team? Yeah, so uh, I've been a, a leader in the LGBTI space for well over twelve years, running a couple of non profit organisations. Um, I've been very fortunate to lead pride marches all over the world, so I'm very very passionate about visibility um, and growing up in a regional town in Geelong when I came out in the 90s um, Geelong was not a safe space um, you know I'd been the victim of violence many times homophobic attacks slurs um, discrimination and especially in the workplace because I always worked in male dominated areas and industries so the discrimination that is faced there by just being a woman but also a queer woman like just had an extra layer to it so I set out to you know once I'd finished up with the non-profit organizations I just thought I need to go the next level and really try and create uh, a real working living thriving space for other LGBTI people and and even go one step further for other marginalized groups so when we set out to employ people, we went out on our socials and and just pretty much said that we want to employ people from, you know, various backgrounds, LGBTIQA+, uh, Aboriginal Torres Strait Islanders, women 45 and over, people of colour, different cultural backgrounds. And um, so that's been received really, really well just by... The, the the applications that we've had, like my wife and I have sat on our couch and really just been overwhelmed after interviews about some of the stuff and the stories that people have opened up to us about during their interviews. Um, and it's all... It's all similar stuff that I faced 20-something years ago. So we've, while we've come a long way, we've still got a hell of a long way to go. Um, and so I want to really create a, a different way of um, inclusion within, within businesses. So what kinds of things do people experience, Joe? 
Oh, look, just day-to-day uh, stuff, you know, I guess you've got to come out nearly every day when you're at work, whether it's, it's you know, someone you work with, whether it's uh, a, a boss or a colleague or customers or people that you work with, you know, outward-facing. It's just, you know, it can be as innocent as someone saying to me or, or anyone, oh, what does your husband do? And then you've got to kind of say, well, I don't have a husband, I have a wife. So that constant coming out can take its toll. And then, you know, there's always judgment, there's homophobic homophobic remarks, um, there's, there's discrimination in ways that... Um, I guess being a woman, you kind of held back, and especially if you're working in a male-dominated area as well. Um, you know, I've heard reports of, of of violence, abuse, physical violence. Uh, it's just and, and people getting the sack just because of who they are, because it may not agree with you know the the owner or the the manager or the boss's own uh, beliefs. So, I mean, it's all still there. Wow. Because, I mean, obviously that's illegal, but I suppose fighting those battles when you, you know, feeling, well, when you are being discriminated against and just the personal toll that must take on a person, I suppose, you know, it's understandable that people aren't necessarily going to, you know, fight for their rights. Absolutely. And, you know, from the from the little kind of microaggressions and, and stuff that, that happen day in, day out, it, it just it chips away at your self-esteem and then that can affect your ability to just get out of bed and get to work and then that the flow on effect from that from the employer's point of view you know they've got a business to run and, and all that kind of stuff so we really need to get the best out of our employees and and the only way that I can see that happening is just to respect people for who they are regardless of their gender or sexual identities or religious beliefs or cultural background or, you know, colour of their skin. Um, We've just got so far to go. So what kind of difference have you seen it make for people that you've employed? Um, Personally, what I've seen is a couple of people that, that younger people that have come in and had interviews with their parents because they've... um, not had the best time at school. Now we're talking some juniors here that have had some really severe mental health issues. Um, and then within a couple of weeks, they've completely come right out of their shell uh, and is, has been an absolute superstar, you know. And, and these these young people have been employed with us, you know, as a, a glassy or a dishy or something, you know, fairly simple like that to, to introduce them to the hospitality industry. But now they're within six weeks, they're preparing food, they're talking to customers, they're, they're just really, really switched on. And to see that growth in such a short amount of time, I'm really excited to see where they're going to be in 12 months' time or two years, you know, and later on down the track if they're showing that growth already. So that's really super exciting for me. Oh, that just, yeah, I've got shivers. Like, it's amazing to see such a speedy transformation. It's just, you just have so much, I mean, we all have so much power to turn someone's, like, day around and life around, don't we? Oh, absolutely, yeah. And, you know, like, we've got... Uh, older women working here one of our employees just spent the last two years as a nurse on the COVID ward and he's completely burnt out 
um, and just needed a whole new industry and has no hospitality skills whatsoever but is an absolute, genuine, authentic, just lovely, lovely person and I just said we'll give you a go and has been an absolute superstar here with us and if I had half a dozen of them, I wouldn't need to employ anyone else. Like their work ethic... Like, just unbelievable. I, I couldn't ask for anything more. Um, and and you, everyone that we've employed here, no one has had any hospitality uh, experience at all because we can teach that stuff. We just want people that want to give it a go, that you know, and, and we can teach all that, that other stuff. I love it. It's so... So empowering. Um, Joe. we talked a little while ago and you mentioned some of the challenges that you had getting the shop fitted out and ready to roll. Can you talk about uh, some of those experiences? Yeah, absolutely. So when we took this building over, it was an absolute dive um, and we knew that it was going to take a lot of work. And my wife's just like, what are we doing? Like, I can't see your vision. And when I walked in, it just felt like home to me. It was an old chemist, had all false ceilings and asbestos and you name it. It was just, yeah, it was was in pretty poor shape. And, um, yeah, so we got the initial demolition done and that was it. And then it took oh, probably 10 months for the council to get permits, so it just sat here dormant because we couldn't do any work to it um, without building permits and all that, that kind of stuff. So there was a lot of initial red tape before we could start any work. So um, And then, you know, just finding tradespeople was the hardest part. Um, in Geelong was really, really tricky and then even trying to find tradies from Melbourne was even kind of harder because we'd book them in and they'd be saying, oh, yeah, we'll be there Monday and then Monday come and they'd say, no, nah, we'll be there Tuesday and Tuesday become, you know, like Tuesday afternoon, no, nah, sorry, it's next week. And so there was a lot of work that I actually had to get in and do myself. So I restored the ceilings with a good mate of mine, you know, hired scaffold and someone who's afraid of heights like I am to get up in those scaffolds was so scary for me um, to the point where I was nauseous. Um, But I I had to do it, you know, like you just got no choice. You just got to get in and do it. When you're paying massive amount of rent um, per month and you're kind of on a time frame you kind of backed against the wall and when people just don't show up, like it just it's just shit, you know. I just don't see any integrity in, in a lot of these tradies. So um, and then when we did get tradies, uh, we were absolutely blatantly ripped off. Like we had a couple of guys um, that just overcharged us and when I challenged them, they got really aggressive um sending threatening text messages and you know I had to had to block them they were threatening vcat and all this kind of stuff and I just thought you know what I'm going to stand my ground and um so I did and you know we come to an agreement and you know I paid a little bit but I wasn't paying what what they said I should pay and um you know one guy said to me he goes don't worry I'll make it up on someone else's bill that's a bad feeling isn't it Oh, and, you know, you kind of jump to that kind of cliche thought about these vulnerable older women that call a, a trade-in for, you know, a small job and they just get ripped off. 
So I, I just it made me feel sick. Um, I mean, do you put that in the same in a similar dynamic to the other discrimination that you've talked about? Look, I probably would because when I was talking to like my brother and my uncle about it, like they they all got fired up and they're like, "Oh, let me talk to him and all that." And I thought, you know what? I actually I don't need a man to fight my battles. I can stand my own ground. Um, you know, and I did, and and in both times I I come through and I won both times, but um. Yeah, I absolutely would because I honestly believe that if I was a guy that there would be no way that, that these tradies would blatantly rip me off like that. And we're not talking a couple of hundred bucks. Like I was overcharged between the two tradies, um, probably nearly $5,000. So, you know, it's 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 not – small coin like that's enough to you know do some more serious work on on my venue so yeah just the integrity of that building industry just shocked me I, I couldn't believe it and I don't know if I'd want to do it again to be honest with you I was just gobsmacked by just their blatant dishonesty Joe, how do you decide which cheeses and and what accompaniments to go with them? Because as each cheese comes around on the train, it's got its own special little, you know, other taste to go with it. How does that all get pulled together? Basically, I sit around with a couple of friends and we eat cheese and we taste different things and we go, what does that taste better with and what's this taste better with? And we just pretty much just have a bit of a, a tasting session and, make it up ourselves, really. Um, we just get a whole heap of stuff and a group of friends and and try it. It's the only way you can do it because everyone's palate's different, right? So you kind of go with like a majority rules kind of thing um, and go from there. So my friends love it. Sounds like the best research job in the world. Oh, my friends love it. It's like, all right, I need, it. I need some taste testers and, yeah, we, they all come over really fast. <laughs> And what is it that you love so much about cheese? Well, it's interesting. Um, growing up, I never liked cheese at all. I couldn't stand it. I thought it was disgusting. My brother is a massive cheese lover and he loved it. I can remember my mum just slicing up massive wedges of cheddar for my brother and I just wouldn't have a bar of it. Um, but, yeah, just as I've gotten older, um, palates changed and I just love all different types of cheeses and I think – you know, I, I think where my love of it's come from is how it can bring people together around a cheese board. Like I've always said, there's two things in this world that bring people together. One is food, especially when you can share it with someone, and the other is music. And when you can sit around and share food off the same plate or the same board or something, I just think there's something really special about that. And, and for me, cheese is at the centre of that. So to come up with this cheese train idea where it's a real kind of communal um, grazing experience, like the amount of people that I've seen sitting next to each other that don't even know each other, just sitting there chatting about cheeses, there's something really special about that. Definitely. It just, yeah, it just gets people chatting. <laughs> it's really cool. I love it. And where do you reckon this concept can go? Like do you have any plans for cheese-related events or like, I don't know, special focuses or, or anything like that? 
Yeah, absolutely. So we're looking at a, another couple of sites at the moment to hopefully open a couple more. Um, so that that'll happen hopefully in the next twelve months. Um, yeah, I'm looking to do that, and also I'm working on a mobile one so that we can take the spiders experience on the road, and whether it's at festivals, corporate events, parties, whatever. We've we've still got the the splatter van. And, um, and we'll get this mobile set up happening down the track. So that'll be fun. Hang on a minute. You're not talking about a mobile train, are you? Yeah, absolutely. Oh, are you joking? <laughs> this is the best thing I've ever heard. So it's like when you go to a, a fair and there's like the little, like the toy train that the kiddies ride on, but it's going to be like that, except there's going to be cheese on it. Yeah, so it's pretty much what you saw here. It'll be that, but a smaller version and we'll take it, you know, around festivals or whatever. Mate, you're going to have groupies. I know, right? We already do. What are you talking about? Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, this is the best. Yeah. Oh, uh, it's it's just endless. It's endless where we can go. What about like themed things? Like, um, what you talking about? Something like <clears throat> cheese, matching cheese with books and stuff like that. Yeah, so we had a dessert night last week as well, which I gave um, four cheeses to our uh, dessert, Geelong's dessert king, Mark Butcher. So I gave him four cheeses and I said, I need you to make desserts out of this. So we had a dessert night. So you get the cheese as it is, as you know it, and then you'll get a dessert made from that cheese. So we had some really, really cool stuff like mafra cheddar custard and um, a, a, a brie truffle pasty and like lemon verbena cream and all this right, really kind of cool stuff and a lemon myrtle chocolate fudge, uh, feta fudge and all that. So that was really cool. But you've probably heard of cheese and wine flights. Yeah, so we don't fly when we're on a train. We go on a journey. So we're doing cheese and wine <laughs> journeys instead. Yeah, so we've got one coming up on the 16th of March with Lura Park Estate. So that'll be five cheeses and five wines. Um, but then, yeah, we, we've, we're going to pair cheese to comedians. We're going to pair cheese to books. So we're talking um, with the library and a book store for um, a book club so we can pair cheeses. You know, you might read a, a beautiful Italian romance novel that can be paired with a creamy gorgonzola or something like that. So, yeah, we're going to do some fun stuff like that. We're going to do coffee and cheese mornings. Um, yeah, I mean, everyone just thinks cheese and wine, but you can pair cheese to anything really. I'm so up for all of that. I just love it. It's like every, everything that you're saying, it goes more and more to, you know, your notion that, that food and especially cheese can bring people together. It's just cutting across all kinds of, you know, different arenas and social menus and notions. I just absolutely love it. Um, Joe. it's just been a real pleasure and privilege to chat to you and learn more about splatters. Is there anything else that you'd like to say? Um, come and hang out. Like seriously, be yourself, a hundred percent yourself. Everyone is welcome. Um, and make sure you make yourself known. And if you've listened to this podcast, tell me about it, and I'll show you a beer. <laughs> That's a pretty good deal. We've never had anyone do that before. Um, awesome. Good new dirty linen tradition, Joe. Thank you so much for chatting. Thank you. This is Dirty Linen, and I'm Danny Valant. We air the issues that the hospitality industry finds hard to talk about, hearing from different people with unique perspectives. We want to hear from you as well. 
If you have something that needs to be said about a topic, get in touch so we can include your perspective. Contact us at dirtylinen at deepintheweeds.com.au or hit us up on Insta at Dirty Linen Podcast. We can't wait to hear from you. This.